Welcome to Radio North. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Brita Green. Yeah. Um, so tell me, like, how and why you're familiar with this house. Well, so I live in a neighborhood on the north end of St. Paul. Near That's Rob McGinley Myers. He's a local audio producer, and he's going to tell today's story. It's about a house in his neighborhood, a house he walks by a lot with his family. That we started to notice whoever was living there had just completely torn up the yard and just down to the dirt. And I didn't even really remember noticing the house before that. But suddenly, uh, whoever lived there started planting these very interesting things in their yard. He says the first thing he noticed were the topiaries. Swirly trees that looked like something out of like a Dr. Seuss book. And then these mounds of moss that, again, I mean, looked sort of cartoonish, like these little circles, like these little puff puffballs of green in the yard. And then a giant topiary giraffe appeared. And I thought, who is who is living in this house? So today on Radio North, we bring you the story of this house, or I guess I should say this yard. And I'll let Rob take it from here. I think the moment that it really struck me was when he put in this installation of soda bottles cut in half so that he could use the bottle as its own little terrarium. And he had like maybe 50 soda bottles hanging on his fence. It was just delightful. And I just wanted to know who was this guy. And so I decided that the next time that I saw him, I was going to ask him if I could talk to him about his yard. Oh, hey, hey. Hi, do you remember me from the other day? Oh yeah, oh sure. <laughs> How's it going? Good, how are you? Good, did I wake you up? No, no, no. Oh, no. good. Yeah, so I show up at his door and he lets me inside. And the first thing I notice is that his house is completely barren. Um, there's one couch and almost no other furniture. Inside the house, you know, there's nothing much, <laughs> you know, like... And which I thought was so interesting because the outside of his house is so beautiful and so meticulously designed, and yet the in inside of his house is completely neglected. So, you know, he, like, we kind of got settled. He made me, got me some so water. Are, are you living here alone? Yeah. Just mm -hmm. you? Huh. So, um, yeah, I live here alone. So. What's your name? Uh, Quentin. Quentin. That's, a, that's an American name, yep. But everyone call me Q to make the symbol. Q. And then we sat down, and I, usually in my interviews, I try to start the interview kind of with just background information that's usually not very interesting, just kind of a way to warm somebody up. But what was fascinating about him was that he immediately started to tell me about growing up in Vietnam. When, when you grow up in a small village, uh, you know, life was poor and tough, and then you... You know, you, you hear all the things about a better land, like in a big city or in a big country, you know, people just talk all over the place with the neighbor and everyone. You, you hear about stuff, you know. And I what mean, it was I, like I to grow up, like you know, on a farm. His parents were farmers and how poor they were and how from a very early age he had all of these responsibilities around the house that, you know, he was in charge of making you know, the family meal by the time that he was eight yeah. years old or Culture. something like that. Yeah, I have to repair rice. I, like, the only thing I didn't do well is like how to put like fish sauce or some uh, MSG. 
to make it taste dry. You don't and, need it. And he also said something that stuck out to me, which was um, he said, "Living under communism, you have no choices; that everything is chosen for you." It was interesting. I was just asking him about his background. Like, I just wanted to know kind of his story. And so he told the story of how he moved to the United States. I mean, you said you grew up yeah, on a farm. I know. Had you ever flown on an airplane before? No. I, I, I never. Uh, well, i seen a car before when I went to the like, central town, you know? Yeah. But then uh, he comes central to the town Twin town Cities to and he goes to high school and he learns English. And then he gets into the University of Minnesota. And then he drops out because he can't quite hack it. And so then he goes to MCTC, which it, you know is a community college, and he, he studies photography, and he doesn't do anything with that. And then he gets a job as a bank clerk and eventually gets a job at a casino. And it seemed like it was sort of like a series of almost successes and then not quite the success that he wanted. And so then I asked him, well, how did you get to this house? Like, what caused you to, to move into this house? And he said that he and his friend were living in an apartment, and their landlord kept towing their car every time it snowed. I mean, I thought it was kind of stupid, you know, like, why did the landlord, you know, tow your own car during the winter? And they found it incredibly frustrating because they were like, why do you have to tow our car? Like, why can't you just leave one spot unplowed, you know? So that's why we decide, oh, we can stand it. Let's get a house, you know, your own house. And it, so, it harkens back to that idea that he talked about, you know, living under communism and there being no choices. And it seemed like he had this longing for a place where he could make all the choices. Uh, be your own boss and no pants around. So then we just say, oh, um, let's do whatever I want, you know? And he had, had maybe thought that the United States was that place, but had found that, no, in fact, there's lots of aspects of the United States where you have no, no choices. But maybe if he owned this house, in that on that small plot of land, he could make all the choices. And so they bought this little house on this corner of a busy street in St. Paul. And once they plowed up, you know, all the overgrown foliage, they suddenly had this place where they could make the choices. After I dig up the whole thing, you know, everything is just black dirt. And I just look and see, what should I do? So ideas after ideas after ideas to pop up, pop up. And I want to be different, I guess. Yeah, because I see the whole neighborhood, everyone just do the same thing. You know, I want to be like a little bit different. So I asked him if he was inspired by the ways that people used to decorate things back home. And he said, not really, but that he'd become interested in Japanese gardens. And he was also really interested in the way that gardens were decorated in Scotland and that he wanted to mix those two things. Uh, I don't know. I've never been to Scotland, but I saw like photos and pictures. So that's what my front yard looked like. That's why I put moss down. But moss I don't think, I mean, looking at his over, his garden, it, it doesn't feel like an imitation of anything. It feels c completely well, so unique. should we go outside and look at it? Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> You should put on the jacket. It's yeah, pretty yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah, it's cold. I mean, the main thing that you notice is these little pond rocks of moss just scattered about the yard. So the yard is mostly okay. dirt, but there's these spots of bright green moss. So they, 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 they spread out, 
and they cover the whole dirt, uh-huh. and uh, they look like Scotland. <laughs> and then yeah. behind that, there are these trees that uh, are in these kind of curly Q shapes. Uh, can you describe the shape for somebody who's listening to this? So it's more to like well, a meatball on a stick. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, a tree with like four rounded shape, like look like a meatball on it. <laughs> so it looks look kind of cool by somehow, yeah. And then behind those trees, there's this giant green Okay. bush in the shape of a giraffe and you know the children they love it yeah they call this it they call it giraffe house yeah and then next to that there is this bicycle installation the bike is a vintage bike i painted the whole thing yellow it's kind of more to for the old time the memories yeah. you know like when you look at the bike the vintage bike, it should remind you when you were young, you, you know, you rode a bike or right now we're older and, you know, a lot of people don't ride bike anymore. And uh, even today, you know, like I feel like you ride bike, it's not that safe because, you know, cars everywhere. And, and I put a two small American flag, you know, <coughs> right by the handles, you know, and everyone loves it. Yeah. Wow. Every time I get out of the, the house and people say, I love your bike, I love your bike. I love it too, yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. Part of my motivation in talking to him was wondering what effect he had had on the neighborhood and what, and I loved the way he told the story of how he remembered thinking, you know, I can do anything. And so I should do something interesting. You know, all these other people have these yards and they all look the same. I want my yard to look different. And that what wound up happening, which I'm not sure he even realized, was that his yard became not just something to make him happy, but it was something that started making other people happy. Hi, my name is Ken Hobbins, and I live directly across the street from Q's home. And boy, I tell you... um, Many people have lived in that house, and Q is the first one who has ever done anything to the landscape of the yard, and boy, has he done landscape to the yard. It just so um, different for this neighborhood, and I think that's the, the appealing part of it. You just go by there and you think, oh my God, how could this be in this neighborhood? People often just pull up in front of our house, get out with their cameras and walk to the corner to take a picture, you know? And then they'll make a comment as they're getting back in the car. You know, wow, you know, you're lucky to have that neighbor across the street. And we say, yeah, you're right. You know, here's a guy who, you know, he speaks English, but he, he has a strong accent. He's in a pretty white neighborhood there might be cause for him to be isolated in that community. And frankly, I think probably most of the people in that community are isolated. I mean, how many people actually get to know all their neighbors? And yet here he was doing something in his yard that was causing his neighbors to notice him and to be delighted by him. People really love it, yeah. They love it. It's just kind of like they follow, like 
cut a light. They keep an eye on this house. You know, every time I walk in the yard, they say, you know, I, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I don't know. So put a smile on people's face. You know. It's really make me happy. Yeah, it's really make me happy. And what started to happen was that they started to send him cards, and they were addressed to the friendly man in the giraffe house or things like this because they didn't know his name. Last year Christmas, like I received maybe like over fifty cards from the neighbors and a stranger. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> this well, one. Can you show me? <laughs> Oh, this is the whole stack. Uh, this one, I recently, you can see like people just say like home. They say it has been fun to watch you garden grow. You are very talented. Have a nice day and without name on it. And I would like them, you know, to put the name so I can return. And some they don't know. They say to the nice man who owned the, you know, giraffe house because they didn't know my, uh, you know, our name. So. And what is that? So what does that card say? <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, wow, it's saying, we love driving past your house, and we're happy you move into the neighborhood, Lisa and Bob. Oh, wow, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> more, more and more, yeah. I mean, I can imagine people being amused by his yard, but actually taking the time to wow. sit down and write a card to thank him for his yard. That was, yeah, that was really surprising to me. Yeah. Do you write uh, them back? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. So that's why I refer to, you know, if they can give the address, like this one give the address uh -huh. as well. This one is very nice. What does this one say? Yo, yo, look just great. The landscaping is beautiful and the decoration make us smile when we ride by. Thank you, Ed and Mary. And this is uh, to the new neighbors. Wow. Because they didn't know our names. So <laughs> this is the address. Of this I remember one. having this revelation when I was in my 20s, where I, I think I was out for a late night walk in a neighborhood with a friend of mine. And it was a neighborhood I wasn't very familiar with. But I just started to look at just how many houses there were, like stretching out in front of me, house, 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 stretching off in the distance. And I started to realize like, there's either an individual or a family in every one of those houses. And if you think about like, what a person's life is like and how expansive and rich even one person's life is. And then if you think about how expansive and rich a family's life is and all the things that have gone into their experience that makes them who they are and that each one of those houses contained one of those lives or one of those families. Um, and it suddenly seemed amazing that we could pack all of that into these houses. And what I find so inspiring about Q is that he chose to put who he was on the outside of his house instead of keeping it hidden inside his house. And that that had such a powerful impact on the people around him. That's local audio producer Rob McGinley Myers. He's a teacher and he's host of the podcast Anxious Machine. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this story, please leave us a review. It means a lot. We'll be back soon with more stories from here in Minnesota. Minnesota.